Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snack Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Hello, and welcome to another episode of State of the Nova Nation. I'm Eugene Rapay. He's Chris Stanzial. Chris, how was your Super Bowl Sunday? It was actually much better than I anticipated. I had convinced myself going into Sunday morning that I was not going to watch a second of the game because I was still pretty bitter about the Packers losing. So I I, kind of wanted to just avoid it at all costs because... Every time the Falcons touched the ball, I would just be like, oh, this could be the Packers out there. But thankfully, it wasn't the Packers out there because the Falcons had the biggest choke job in history. And I am glad that 2014 against Seattle is now redeemed by the Atlanta Falcons' incompetentness. Yeah, you know, now, now that you mention it, I actually forgot that happened. 2014, I mean. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I haven't. I still get PTSD every time the Packers are up big. But hey, it's all right. We, we, we got through it. I also realized that I said something I probably shouldn't be allowed to say. Super Bowl Sunday, I, I hear you're supposed to call it the, the quote-unquote big game. Oh, right, yeah, copyright infringement. Jesus, forgot about that. I, I didn't realize Super Bowl was like a trademark. You kind I, of just I throw, know, right? You just throw it around there willy-nilly, but no, apparently you got to pay every time you say it. So we both had the Patriots winning, but yes. not like that. I don't think I saw it like that. No. I mean, I predicted 31-27, so I was, I was relatively close on the scoreboard. But, yeah, no, I was not expecting anything close to what ended up happening in that fourth quarter. Yeah, between the, the rally and then the first Super Bowl game in overtime ever, mm-hmm. it was just wow. Yeah. Wow. It, it truly was a wow moment. It, you never really felt the Patriots were out of it, or at least I didn't. You kind of felt like if there was a duo in this game – to come back from 25 points down in the Super Bowl, it would be Belichick and Brady. And they did. I mean, and they got a little bit of help because Kyle Shanahan went, he, he, his mind was kind of drifting into San Francisco where he's coaching now, kind of forgot how to call plays and Patriots made the most of it and they make you pay. So one thing that was great about the big game <laughs> was seeing just all the different reactions on Twitter, all the different tweets, all the different hashtags, whether you're talking about commercials, plays in the game, Tom Brady, Belichick, Roger Goodell getting booed, the yes. Falcons not running it on third and one, oh, God. Whatever, whatever you were looking at, two great tweets, and they were by some Villanovans. You had Josh Hart reminding the world that Sunday's game was the second best championship game played at NRG Stadium in the past calendar year. But then there was Marcus Page. We, we talked about him recently. Yeah, we did. We did. 
Now he tweeted out, "NRG Stadium is trash." Trash. <laughs> I, I don't know what he was thinking about this. I, I you know, still, I, I don't get it. I don't understand. <laughs> I mean, still a little salty. I see. Still a little salty, but he's got to have like a PR department. Who <laughs> he was just walking himself into a bunch of different jokes or You're just a PTSD. <laughs> That's true. And I hear one of our boys gave him the business. Yeah, yeah. You had a you had people post pictures of the Jenkins shot, but the best response to that tweet was by number fifteen, the former Capitan, Ryan Archidiacono. He didn't even tweet out a single letter. He just had one response, and it was beautiful. It was the crying, laughing emoji face. <laughs> just ask, just asking for like I, I don't understand. Why he would tweet that. I'm sure he thinks about what he's about to tweet because he has thousands of followers. At least I would hope you'd think about it before you actually press send. Mm-hmm. But he just walked right into that one. Yeah, not not the best of choices. But, hey, he, he just wanted to voice his frustration. I, I mean, I don't blame him. We talked about how much that game meant to him last episode. So, yeah, that kind of sucks. I did read the replies to Archie's tweet, and it was, I think it was literally just a back and forth between the salty UNC fan and I guess a Nova fan. I couldn't really tell. And he was just asking, how's your D-League career going? And I'm just like, oh, really? That That's all you got on him? Okay, that's fine. <laughs> that's fine. You, you want to tweet at an athlete while you're sitting on your couch and he's making more money than you'll ever dream of playing in a D-League He's also got the ring and the championship fanfare that went along with that. True. So on top of the monetary value, he actually has, you know, a ring to go along with it. And fans. He has fans. And fans. And fans. Yes. Mark's page tried to recover by replying to Arch by saying, man, I, I just swear that there's just something wrong with that place. <laughs> Wait, he actually responded? He did respond. I had no idea. It was like, come on. Yeah. You think we're going to forget about what happened on April 4th? Uh, no. I don't think he will. I don't think anyone will. And I think this this uh, the Super Bowl was a good reminder of that for everyone out there. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The other good thing is that we also had a, well, sort of Villanova connection to mm-hmm. the Super Bowl champs. Right. Howie Long, Hall of Famer. He's got a nice menacing face, or a nice menacing fat head. In the new Andrew J. Talley Center, the the Howie Long Strength and Conditioning Center, right. his son Chris also plays football. No surprise there. Mm-hmm. And he was on the Patriots roster. Therefore, he will be getting a ring, and he is also a champion. Yeah, so I, I mean, not a direct Villanova connection, but a Villanova connection none, uh, nonetheless. I remember Chris coming out of Virginia. I think it was Virginia. He, yep. uh, he was number two overall pick. Big things were expected from him. He didn't really live up to the billing. I mean, he, he was okay, but he wasn't like number two overall worthy and bounced around a few teams and he went to the Patriots, found his niche, and he, he played pretty well for them. He forced that holding penalty on Jake Matthews that knocked the Falcons out of the field goal range when they really could have just iced the game then and there. So... I guess good contributions from him. Oh, that was him. I didn't realize it. Yeah, he was the one being held. He was. Yeah, that was a, that was a headlock. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, was, that was clear holding. Yeah, that was straight up headlock across the neck. Threw him to the ground right after that. Now America can focus on other things like work, hockey, 
<laughs> baseball that's coming up. But yeah. most importantly, college basketball, because we got March Madness right around the corner. Biggest tournament, too. And the home stretch of the season. Yeah, one more month. So before we move to the hardwood, we just want to extend a congratulations to one of our former writers and reporters, Patrick Chapchak, a Bostonian. He was out there riding in the streets and enjoying and soaking in the Super Bowl win mm-hmm. as a Patriots fan. So on to the hardwood. What did you think about this intense, grueling, <laughs> heavyweight fight between two classic Big East schools, Villanova in the blue corner, St. John's in the red corner, at the Wells Fargo Center, packed arena. What did you think about the Saturday night blowout? Uh, I, I, I'm going to be honest with you, Eugene. I don't, I don't really have much to think about it. Uh, because I did not get an opportunity to watch this game. I saw one play the entire game, and it was the inbounds play to run out the rest of the clock at the end because they had it at the bar I was at. And I was like, oh, that's right. We were playing tonight. (laughs) Whoops. Missed the train on that one. So I was just able to catch some highlights at the end and draw some emphasis from that. From what I saw, it looked very sloppy. And just like the game last year that we talk about all the time. Well, first of all, we still don't know why this game is exactly at the Wells Fargo Center. Right. Yeah, it's sold out, but let's be honest. I think it's just everyone getting on the Nova hype train. Yeah. You could put some other opponent there. Well, like, why isn't Xavier there? Like, why isn't Xavier at the Wells Fargo Center? I know. I know. We, we, we try to analyze it. We try to rationalize it, and we just can't. We can't come up with any good excuse. And honestly, the fact that you didn't watch it, you didn't really miss out on much because it was a bloodbath in the beginning and for pretty much most of the game. I mean, it was another high-scoring battle at Wells Fargo. Lots of offense, lots of turnovers, and just very, very sloppy. Like from what I saw. Yeah, Nova had a double-digit lead literally right from the get-go. They just bolted out to a great start. They won 92-79. to They improved to 22-2 overall, 92 in conference play. And they've actually moved up to number two in both polls this Monday. Yeah, so uh, leap, leap for Kansas and Baylor. Baylor had a rough week. And then Kansas, they choked against Iowa State. That was pretty shocking, especially at the fog. You know, they, they don't lose much there. And, and by much, I mean but never. Yeah, exactly. Villanova did have 23 turnovers. Eh, not ideal, yeah. not no. good, Mm-mm. but they were also experimenting with a bunch of different things, like his own defense. Dylan Painter got some extended minutes than usual. And he did. So that was that was always fun to see, and, and the crowd loves whenever Dylan Painter gets in. Right. And I remember a few episodes ago we were talking about hoping, or at least hoping that he would get more minutes because of the short bench that we unfortunately have. Yeah, that was, yeah, that was definitely welcome to see, a welcomed experiment. Mm-hmm. I mean, Villanova was in clear control the whole time. Like, yeah, there were there were moments when they got really sloppy, turned the ball over, and they let St. John's go on these big runs. But even when St. John's was going on these big runs, they were only cutting it to, like, 11. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, 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 exactly. It was, like, one step forward for the St. John's 20 steps back. This game reminded me a lot of the Marquette game earlier this year. I'm assuming the first one at the Wells Fargo State. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. High scoring, Villanova kind of dominated the entire game, but the score indicated it may have may not have been that close. So This was a much different game than when Villanova last took on St. John's at the Garden. That We all know that that was just an ugly one. Yeah. 
Here it seemed like everyone was dialed in. Despite the turnovers and all that, we had five different guys in double digits. Dante DiVincenzo. Like, yeah, Josh Hart had 26, and he was, like, the big scorer. But mm-hmm. I don't know what it is, but Dante DiVincenzo loves, loves, loves playing against the Red Storm. <laughs> he had a big game last at MSG and dropped a casual 20 here. Hopefully this week, we keep saying it, but we, he always has this one performance that you think he's finally going to come around, and then he lays an egg. But now I think after the Virginia game with the game with the buzzer beater and then the last few games since then, I feel like he's kind of turning the corner now. He's actually put together a string of good games together instead of, you know, dropping the ball usually after a game or two. So keep up this performance, please. <laughs> yeah, solid, solid performance by Dante DiVincenzo. Likes playing at the Wells Fargo Center. He's had, he's had a pretty good week. Yeah, he has. But there was something that, you know, we knew this game was going to be one-sided. This is pretty much went as planned. I don't think Jay Wright was too concerned about this one. But there was one thing that I thought was really interesting. Probably more so than the points Villanova scored, the turnovers, this and that. This was a great game to experiment with. I mean, they had the lead for since opening tip. So I don't really fault them for trying out all these different things. Mm-hmm. But... One experiment, I guess you could call it, was Chris Jenkins being benched at the start of the game in favor for Eric Pascal. Wright said that this was because he had been struggling and he hoped to get him going off the bench. Did you like the switch here? Yeah, I I do, actually. I feel that this team needed a message to be sent before it was too late. I mean, we, we've talked about how this team, very fragile So at some points, especially in, in games that are very close. And you kind of felt that, and I might mention of it, this was kind of getting a 2009, 2010 feel where, you know, this team might collapse if, because of poor senior leadership or whatever and poor senior play. But by Jay doing this, I think it sends a message that, hey, no one's safe. Like, you better play like well, or you're not going to play at all. Um, I mean, obviously Chris got plenty of minutes against St. John's and he responded very well coming off the bench, 15 points for 10 shooting. I mean, just two of six from deep, but you know, take the good with the bad. He had four assists on top of it. I mean, Jay loved his play. Just a quote from Jay here. He said, that's just how we want Chris to play. It says he had four assists, but I thought there were more. He was awesome. So if coach Wright loved it, I, I liked it. I do like how Jay sent the message. He's no nonsense, and I can't say that I would have expected of this of him when we started college. I kind of just thought Jay was kind of laissez-faire about the whole thing, but this shows that he's hands-on and actually very serious about going for a repeat here. Now, when I first saw the news that Chris Jenkins was benched a few minutes before tip-off, I was I was sick with the flu at that time on Saturday, <laughs> or I was getting over it, so I was locked in. I was watching the game. Mm-hmm. And when I saw that, I, I texted you. I remember texting you, and we were like, oh, was he late to class again, or did he not follow – was he late to practice? Did he not do his workout the whole way? Mm-hmm. Did he cop out a little early? Did he cheat on his diet? <laughs> it was none of the usual Jay Wright benching the starters reasons that we've seen in the last three years. And I was surprised. I was surprised that Jay actually did this, but I thought it was good. I liked it. I liked it a lot. Sent a message and we saw Jenkins respond. I I loved it. I loved the call. Yeah. I mean, so did I, I mean, I like 
<laughs> it, you really couldn't say much about it because it was St. John's. Like, if this was like Xavier on the road, I feel like it would have sent more of a message, but I don't think you would have done it because of the magnitude of that game. I kind of feel like you can get away with it against St. John's at Wells Fargo. So I understand why he did it for this game. He sent the message and it worked. And I hopefully it, it works down the road as well. I hope Jenkins wakes up and actually plays like he used to. And he's had some good performances this year, but for every good performance, there's like two bad ones. So hopefully he just really lights a fire under his butt and gets him going. Now, I doubt this was a game time decision. Oh, I'm yeah. pretty sure this was talked about in practice, especially during walkthrough. Mm-hmm. The day before the St. John's game, now you know I'm a, a very serious journalist. Mm-hmm. I take my job very seriously. Of course you do. I was pondering around on the likes of Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We're about, to, we're about to put on a TMZ lens a little bit. Okay. And Chris Jenkins, the day before the St. John's game, the night before he put up a post, it's him in his uniform game day. And he had a little caption. Usually he keeps it nice and sweet or very simple. He doesn't really quote anything too serious. But he quoted Drake and he said, quote, Never thought I'd be talking from this perspective, but I'm not really sure what else you expected. With all the higher-ups have all come together as a collective with conspiracies to end my run and send me a message. 40, did you get the message? Because I just checked my phone and I didn't get it. End quote. Now, that's... Beginning, that's the opening lines to Drake's 30 for 30 song, which is basically a shot at all of Drake's critics, all of the guys who he feels are getting in his way. There's no way that this was a coincidence. I'm pretty sure he was getting himself hyped up for this game. Sure, let's go with that. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't see any other reason as to why he would catch the feels for this game. So yeah, let let's go with that. I hope it was for that reason. I hope nothing else is really going on in his head that would lead to such a dramatic posting on Instagram. Yeah, you're right. Actually, I really hope that it wasn't like there he was at Cafe Nova and they told him, you don't have any more meals. Sorry. <laughs> All right. What's, what song is that? You said 30 for 30? Yeah, 30 for 30 freestyle. Oh, it was a freestyle. It wasn't on an album? It was which on an album. Oh, which one? we know uh one of his recent ones I, I forgot the name of it but it came out last year i think oh last year it wasn't so it wasn't views no it was not views okay that's but, probably the only drake album i know yeah it's a it's a shout out to drake's haters and chris jenkins i think a lot of people are getting on him we were getting on him a little bit uh yeah we're slumping maybe, maybe that's why he posted it he, he listened to our our recent episodes and it's just like you know what i gotta show these kids what's up yeah, I got to show these two that they don't know what they're talking about. Right. And he had a pretty good show. Yeah, he did. So we'll uh, we'll shut up about you for the next uh, until the next game, which is coming up soon. Yeah, a few hours soon. Yeah, like 12 hours or so. Yes. Next up, which I'm actually, we, this almost slipped up on our radar. Not that we forgot about, we didn't forget about Georgetown, mm-hmm. but this is actually the first time they're playing each other. Yeah. They already they already played Marquette and Providence twice, so yeah, this is the one Big East game or the one Big East opponent that just got in very late in the game. Yeah, and of all teams, Georgetown, and I guess the rivalry is kind of dying. I guess I don't know. The Hoyas are thirteen and eleven overall. 
Four and seven in Biggie's play. This is not the Georgetown Hoyas we know of old. Mm-hmm. Somehow, some way, Joe Lunardi. I think he went to he went to St. Joe's, right? He yes, he did go to St. Joe's, but I think he's he's a very sympathetic to Nova's cause. Yeah, I know he does like Nova, but yeah. somehow he's got Georgetown in the next four out category, yeah, which is that... pretty close. If you ask me, I feel like Georgetown should not be in that conversation. I, I didn't even think they were in the running for. Than the NCAA tournament, like, like at all, they're and, literally barely better than DePaul. Yeah, barely, barely. They're they are second to last in the Big East as of, as of right now. Soon to change, probably, but it, that's crazy. They See? upset Oregon earlier in the year. Going at this <laughs> university. Yes, they were able to right the ship with wins over Crane and Butler recently, but they did lose to Seton Hall at home. Somewhere in between, you had Isaac Copeland transfer. He was. A pretty important piece in the last couple of seasons. Mm-hmm. There's been some unrest. A lot of people have been putting JT3 on the hot seat. Mm-hmm. But as we all know, he's daddy's boy, and he's not leaving anytime soon. I know. We we hinted at this during the Big East preview show, how much we don't like JT3, just because we think he's just worn out his welcome there. Just from the outside looking in, like you kind of feel bad at, a little bit. <laughs> yeah, those those Georgetown fans were giving us flack for exiting the NCAA tournament early, but they they were no better. They were They're, no better. They were the OG chokers until they they had the one Final Four after they beat UNC in overtime, the Elite Eight, and then every time after that, it seemed they had the Davidson loss. They had Florida Gulf Coast. Who can forget about that? Unforgettable. Yeah, they they've had some big choke jobs too. So so yeah, hot. they haven't seen a second weekend in forever. Also. No, they haven't. Yeah, that's right. Weren't they supposed to make the second weekend a few years ago, and then they choked? Oh, there were there were many instances they were supposed to make the second weekend. Oh, oh, there was. Weren't they? They were a four seed. They were a four seed. Yeah, their most recent high seeding was a four seed a couple of years back. That's right. Okay, and then they lost. Good job. Yes, Brady. Now they're led by Rodney Pryor, a Robert Morris transfer. Mm-hmm. This guy's had a pretty crazy journey. He started off in community college. Torres ACL, had another season-ending injury the year after, transfers out of that community college to another community college, finds his way to Robert Morris somehow, blows up at Robert Morris, and now he's on Georgetown's team. This is his final year, but he's having a great season so far. 18.2 points per game, shooting about 50% from the field, over 40% from deep. Then he's got LJ Peak, who's been another... It used to be the Copeland Peak show. Now it's LJ Peak and Rodney Pryor. Peak is averaging just over 16 points per game. He's also their point guard, leading the way with 3.5 assists per game. Then you got Jesse Govan, the big man down low. I remember going into the season, a couple mock drafts had him going the second round. Yeah, that's that's a little weird. I, I didn't really know of Govan at all. I always kind of thought it was Bradley Hayes as the big guy in the middle for Georgetown. But he's, I guess, I, guess, I don't know. I guess the potential for him just kind of give some experts and draft uh, draft experts something to work with, I guess. I don't know. Overall, this team is about, uh, you know, middle of the pack, maybe slightly above average. Mm-hmm. They've been the masters of the choke. I mean, I feel like they've had so many heartbreaking losses this year. Yeah, they have. To questionable teams, too. Mm-hmm. Especially in the beginning parts of the season. Yeah, they were still trying to figure their way. I, I They didn't know if they wanted to be good or bad. I mean, like we said, they, they had a win over Oregon, and then they came out in the Big East and lost their first three games to, like, no one good. So. Somehow they're ranked in the top 80 for offensive and defensive efficiency. I don't get They've got to be better than adver- – I mean, you know, I, I'm sure they're advertised better than they actually are. Uh, Yeah, I, I, I'd have to agree with that. 
they're 59th in Kempom. Like, I, I know if, if you're taking, I know you got to factor in automatic qualifiers, but if you took the top 68 teams from Kempom and put them in the NCAA tournament, they, they make it. So they're okay. It's just they, they, they're so Jekyll and Hyde, you don't know what team's going to show up. That's not to mention they're four and seven in Big East play. Right. How? Yeah, it's. I, I, I don't even understand how they're in the conversation or near a bubble. They shouldn't be at, near any kind of bubble. I I know. I I, I don't, Maybe it's the name, but like the stats suggest otherwise that they're actually not that bad. But but they are bad. It's so weird. It's such a anemic case. I, I love. I actually I love like teams like this. So how do you think Villanova fares against its longtime rival tonight? Got them winning this one pretty easily. At the Pavilion, first game at the Pavilion against Georgetown. God knows how long. It's been a while. It's been Since a hot 06. minute. 06. 06. Yeah. Wow. Okay. That and that was my favorite basketball year. So, yeah, that that was a while ago. And I think they will actually do win this one pretty handily. I think they should destroy them at home. Mm-hmm. I love that it's in the Pavilion. I love, love, love. You know, we've gotten at the Wells Fargo Center in the last few years. Mm-hmm. Especially with Georgetown's kind of been on that decline. Right. It's just better to get it back in the intimate setting of the pavilion. I mean, the students love it there. I feel like they love it there even more than they do at the Wells Fargo Center. At least I did. For basketball, yes. Yeah, for basketball, yeah. For, for the lead up and all, Wells Fargo has it by a mile. Oh, yeah, 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 I agree. You get that rivalry game. I see Villanova winning by 15 at home. I mean, it shouldn't be any problem. But right. this is definitely exciting. No matter how good or bad Georgetown might be, it's always fun to beat up on a rival, and it's even more fun to get it in the pavilion. Yeah, it is. And hopefully, since it's at the pavilion, like the wine and cheese crowd might actually care a little bit because it's against it's against Georgetown. Like these are the like the who the old timers grew up hating. Like not so much our generation. Like we were we probably hate Seton Hall and Marquette and Providence more than we do Georgetown just because of Georgetown's steep decline in the past few years. Maybe this gets the extra crowd into it, not just the students. I'm sure a lot of them can draw on 1985 and yes. all the battles ever since. Not so much in the last two or three years, but mm-hmm. ever since. Yeah. I mean, my, me and my dad went to Villanova, Georgetown, Wells Fargo last year, and my dad loved every minute of it. I mean, we absolutely beat down on him, but he's just like, we never got a chance to do this against Georgetown. I mean, obviously, I mean, obviously you had 85, but like you never fully took them out back and beat them to death like they did last year. And he loved every minute of it. And he, he just didn't understand why I couldn't, I didn't, I mean, I loved seeing Villanova win, but I, he didn't understand why I I wasn't appreciating it as much as he was. Maybe, just hopefully, we beat down on them and everyone can see that we still hate Georgetown. (laughs) Yeah, especially since the whole conference realignment and also, I guess, over the last five years overall. Mm -hmm. Us youngins, we don't really understand it, but the Hoyas actually lead the all-time series against the Wildcats. That doesn't shock me, actually. Right? Like, if you think about it, it doesn't really shock you, but over the last few years, it just does not feel like that at all. No. No, it's been so one-sided. It's been unreal. And we, of course, have the most important game. So I guess we'll we'll take a few extra losses. Kayla Smith, one of our reporters, will be there repping the bench mob, covering the game courtside. So follow her on Twitter, or keep an eye on our account. We'll we'll get we'll give you we'll hit you up with the links later. Yes. But there's something that has been brought to my attention by my friends over at Big East Coast Bias. They brought this up to me, and it was a huge talking point in our meeting yesterday. We kind of discussed it, but you remember UConn. It's another OG Biggie school like uh, like Georgetown. Yes. yes. Has, it hasn't been that long. Mm-hmm. So there's been some rumblings that the Huskies are trying to rejoin the Big East. 
Oh. Yeah. According to John Rothstein of Fan Rag, I feel like he writes for everyone. Apparently he writes for fan. I've never heard of Fan Rag until I saw this report. Yeah. John John Rothstein's all over the place. Uh, I, I kind of just feel that he writes articles and just gives them to random websites that just publish them. Sounds like a lot like myself, <laughs> except he does it on a much bigger stage with CBS. <laughs> true, true. And he does remind us that Villanova is like a Fortune 500 company. It runs itself. Exactly. I'm also convinced that he has that tweet scheduled <laughs> after around after the game ends. Yeah, he has, has like a, a yeah, autopilot. Yeah, really. He has his own special version of Twitter where it links up with Villanova's schedule, and every time a game's supposed to end, yeah, it just flies it right out. <laughs> yeah, it looks up for certain keywords, and then if it, if it fulfills all conditions, it just goes out automatically. <laughs> But his report about this whole UConn rumor, here's here's a bit of it. Quote, sources have told FanRag Sports that UConn has consistently looked into joining the Big East as a basketball-only member as long as it could find another home for its football program. Other sources have stated that members of the Big East currently like the league's double round-robin format in basketball where everyone plays each other twice and adding an 11th team could change that. End quote. UConn was always at one school that... You just felt bad, kind of, maybe a little bit, not too much, but you know all these all these cool schools will leave for the ACC, the Catholic mm-hmm. Seven. They break off and they make their own conference, right? And then UConn's left with like Cincinnati the, and the USF of the yeah, yeah the the misfits uh, of the old Big East <laughs> to make this new convoluted conference in which big boys, some of the big boys of the old Big East were in for maybe like a year. Like you had Louisville in there for a year. Like I forgot they were in the American Conference for a year. Yeah, they were. They had a little bit of a layover before going to uh, the me- the mega ship that is the ACC. And then, yeah, you had Cincinnati, USF. Actually, I don't even know if USF is in there. I- and I- that's all I know. The American's yeah. such a joke. Yeah, USF is in the American. Oh, okay, good. Good to know they're still alive and playing basketball, or at least trying anyway. So UConn is stuck in the American. I don't blame them for trying to get out. Honestly, that you know, everyone gives flack to the Big East for not being a good conference, but no one has looked at the American. It's like the ugly stepsister of conferences, I feel like. It's threw a bunch of teams together, slapped a patriotic name on it, and there you go. Yeah, they, they, they came up with a new logo that looked like they just made a PowerPoint like the, yeah. night, <laughs> the night before. Yeah, they did. They definitely did. But... Whatever. Now, granted, the first year of UConn being in the American ended up pretty well for them. They did win a national championship, and they did kind of beat the Wildcats. Yeah, we try not to talk about that, even though we accidentally kind of bring it up every time we bring up Villanova's tournament past. But hey, that that's okay. It's all right. We, we forgive them. We got our own. Yeah, you had Darren Hilliard staring into space. <laughs> Shabazz Napier dropping bombs. But yeah, you know, as as much as we kind of forget, it's kind of like Georgetown, UConn hasn't been too hot in the last year or so, mm-hmm. but they did win a national championship in 2014. They somehow have two championships, actually, in the last 10 years. Yeah, 2011, the Kemba Walker year. Yeah, they were not even the top four seed in either of those runs. No. Oh, no, 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 they were three seed in, as uh, with Kemba. Okay, I wasn't sure. All yeah, right. no, they were. They ended up beating Butler. You, UConn actually did us a favor. No, I, I remember that. They, yeah, they did beat Butler. I do remember that game too, and all that. Yeah, 
They did. That was horrible. That that also was in Houston, and that's why everyone was complaining about the sight lines leading into the Final Four last year because that 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 Final Four was atrocious. The more you know. Yeah, that was actually. Now that I think about it, that was a pretty poor Final Four. I just remember that there being so many bricks. Yeah, it, it was Brick City over there, big time. So you have UConn. Granted, let's say hypothetically they can find a home for their football team. Do you bring back the Huskies? into the Big East? I, I cannot say I would because the whole football thing just throws it off. I mean, I know they're like, oh, well, we'll find a home for our football. Oh, okay. All right, congratulations. It'll somehow rear its ugly head, though, and I don't think the Big East is going to mess around with that. You know the old saying, it's fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. You don't, you don't want to touch the football. It, it'll break it up again. It's just it's just a recipe for disaster. Just stay out of it. Any any school related to football, just keep keep out. At least D one D one A, keep out of it. I mean, and also like as you mentioned in the quote before, it messes up the whole round robin thing. I love the home and home series. You love the home and home series. Like I don't find I can't find anyone who doesn't like it. I love it. You see each team twice a year. You build rivalries off that. It's it's a great great system and unless UConn brings in another team with them you're gonna completely mess that up I've been advocating for Dayton to join the Big East for the longest time now if they can somehow get in maybe they can come along with UConn but I I don't know is it worth the risk of bringing in football and also the fact you know UConn's not a Catholic school and they're, they're kind of – they've been buns lately. They've been well, pretty bad. Well, Butler is the only non-Catholic school. They, they get to have a friend. Oh, well, well, I don't know. Everyone thinks of Butler as a Catholic school. UConn's so secular, it's, it's ridiculous. I really feel bad for them. I like UConn. I never really hated them. I mean, even in the mid-2000s when, when they had Rudy Gay and Marcus Williams and Josh Boone, and that 06 team was incredible. But that, I mean, even then, I didn't even hate them. They were a fun team. I always liked Calhoun as a coach, and now he's gone. So I, if in a vacuum, yes, I'd take him back. But football complicates everything, and I, I can't. I, I don't want to mess with that. Now, if you remember Big East Media Day, I tweeted out a few things about how UConn was somehow included in the video package. And I thought that was very surprising because you didn't really see oh, Syracuse on there. You no didn't way. see, you know, they brought back <laughs> Jim Calhoun to speak at media day. Right. And, I, you know, I was sitting there thinking like, Oh, like, why is he here? It's the big East trying to say that they want UConn back. <laughs> I don't know. I maybe, but I kind of view that as maybe they have something in the work. Yeah. And according to this report by Rothstein, God implied that they've been trying for at least a year or so. Oh, I, I would think longer. So I, I mean, they, they've definitely had it on their minds longer than just yeah. a year. Honestly, they probably but, saw Louisville say peace out, and then they're like, oh, great, it's just us. We need to get out right. of here too. Yeah, exactly. So what, what do you think they should do, though? I mean, assuming they can't get into the Big East, what, what do you think they should do? Do you think maybe, maybe kind of degrade football or maybe even join the ACC? See, their problem is, is that – I know that they want to find a house for their football program, maybe join another, you know, maybe join the Big East and all other sports, but football. But if you're a conference, UConn's a basketball school. I, I don't really care about your football program. I want the money from your men's basketball, which you have a great fan base for, despite not being so well lately. 
And not only that, your women's basketball is very good too. You know, those are two great basketball programs right there. Their football program is not up there. It's horrible. It's horrible. But they still make money off of that, apparently. I guess college football is that lucrative. I mean, see what happened to all the teams that started for the ACC. You know, I know you don't like disrupting the round robin, the home and home series. I do like the home and home series. But let me let me pitch to you a, a different scenario. So ACC starting in the 2019-2020 season, they'll be expanding to 20 conference games. And if the Big East does something like that and include UConn, let's say they bring in UConn to the conference, they expand to 20, 20, uh, 20 games in 2020, they can still maintain the round-robin home-and-home series format. That's a lot of conference games, though. But, Chris, the Big East is tough. No, I'm not saying that. I'm not. <laughs> no, it is. It is. It not. is a lot of conference games, but it is what the ACC is doing. Do you, I mean, could the Big East do something like that, or would you still be opposed to it? No, I, I mean, I, w- I would. I would be okay with that as long as you know the games for from the conference that you're adding on are replacing the games like against Charleston and your other cupcake games. It's not replacing the ones that you're scheduling like Virginia for. You I, know I would I'm hope saying? so. I mean, so, I mean, if you're going to do that, then I hope your out-of-conference schedule is just that much better because you have that much less games and you're already using four of them for the big five. So, I, I mean, I, I'd be okay with that. But I really I, – I, I, I'm sorry, but I, I always bring it up. But I really want Dayton in this conference. I always love Dayton. That that team is just so cool. They're, they're, they're kind of like Butler in the sense that they always, like, are in the tournament and always seem to make a run here and there. And I would love to see them in the Big East. And if that means we have to take on UConn as well, I mean, I, I would be okay with that. But I hate football, so I don't know. See, I'd, I want UConn in, but I just don't see a plausible way that they can just come in for, you know, a non-football. Like, I, I just don't see any other conference passing on the fact that there's the money that's made in the basketball programs that is probably more so lucrative than their football program. I just don't see a conference being like, oh, yeah, sure, we'll take in your mediocre football program. <laughs> right. Well, maybe they just stay in the American then. Honestly, yeah, you know they should do that, and then just pay whatever exit fee there is, and then join the biggies. But will they be willing to do that? Is the question. I mean, how bad is it? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that, that's <laughs> also a good question. I mean, we do see that Villanova and UConn do have a home and home series scheduled on the basketball court, so maybe they're starting to feel it out. Maybe they, you know, they they realize that the grass wasn't always greener, and now they're call, they're calling back. Yeah, they want to cl- they want to climb back over that fence. Does that does that home and home series start next year? Yes, it will start next season. Test the waters. See see what UConn's up to. You know, it's kind of like when Notre Dame wants to quote unquote join the ACC, but they mm-hmm. somehow worked out a deal that their football team can be independent. Well, when you have the pedigree like they do in football, I guess they can really do anything, especially when they have their own TV deal. UConn, they're, they're lucky if they're getting streamed on ESPN5. We'll keep an eye out for this for sure. I mean, it's definitely an interesting topic. I, for mm-hmm. one, would like to see UConn, but I just can't see a plausible way that this would work out. I just can't see them figuring out a way to appease whatever conference takes them in. And then the Big mm-hmm. East, who is very content with the way they are right now, honestly. Yeah, it's man. like we got our own basketball club, and it's us and our basketball friends. Mm-hmm. And no one else, but I just, you know, as much as I would like to see UConn, I know you don't want to see them, but as much as I'd like to see them, I just can't find or see a possible solution that they can go that works out in all ways. 
Right. Yeah. I, I mean, I kind of fall in your bucket, though. I mean, I, I do want to see him, but I just – it's just too risky, I feel like. I don't, I don't, I don't want another realignment issue because of these guys, because of football. We'll keep an eye out on the Huskies. Just like how we said we would keep an eye out for Dan O'Neill's book, she's actually having a signing this weekend. She announced on Twitter yesterday that she will be around, out and about in the Philly area, calling out on all Villanova fans to come get your copy of Long Shot Signed by Dan O'Neill, the auteur herself. It'll be at 12 o'clock, noon, noon Saturday, Barnes & Noble, Walnut Street, and then 10 o'clock Sunday at Radnor Hotel, and then 7 p.m. Monday at the Green Parrot. I'm assuming that's a hotel. The Green Parrot is actually a restaurant. So, yeah, there's your three locations. <laughs> it's actually probably more so a pub than it is a restaurant. Go see Dan O'Neill. Go let her sign the book. book's great. Yeah, definitely go check out Dan O'Neill signing. One of the few ESPN reporters that love us. She will be around catering to Nova Nation, just as she has been for a while, actually. We talked about this last time. Yeah, yeah, she's she's been following Jay around for a while, so very apropos that she did this book. Also, another news, shout-outs to Naomi Ng, a fellow class of 2016 graduate. She was selected as a match for Tally's Bone Marrow Foundation, the Be the Match program. She will be saving a life. Villanova tweeted out a picture of her getting ready for the procedure. Shout-outs to her. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Thank you so much for listening and subscribing to State of the Nova Nation. Whether you do so on iTunes or on Podomatic, please check us out at viewbenchmom.com for all news and updates on all things Villanova sports. Also, please don't forget to follow us on the Twitter sphere at viewbenchmob, or you can follow me, Eugene Repay, at irrepay 5 And you can follow me, Chris Stanziel, at the Stansman on Twitter. Nova Nation, happy Tuesday. Hope you had a great weekend, and hopefully you all get to catch tonight's game against the Hoyas.